Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Then the booklet mentioned that most patients pass away when they're 25. And I remember temporarily like not breathing for a second, just blood rushing all over me because I never thought about dying. And I thought, oh, this is a mistake. They don't know what they're talking about. This is wrong. And then the booklet made me accept reality because it used logic. It said, the reason this is, is because the heart and the diaphragm, those are muscles and those are going to be attacked as well. And I thought, yeah, no, that makes sense. If it, if all the muscles are attacked and those are muscles, then those would have to be attacked as well. I read that and I was like, wow, like I, I was in a different, I wasn't even present anymore. I wasn't even looking at the performance. I was in a different world. And I remember the last thing it said was the disease is incurable. And I thought, oh, well, let's see about that. Oh, okay. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what I can do. Let Elijah Stacy answer now. Let me enter the ring. Let's see if it's incurable now. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Elijah, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me today. It is my pleasure to have you here. So I found out uh, about you by way of your publicist or somebody who pitched us. And when I read your story, I thought to myself, yeah, this is definitely a story worth telling. Um, But before we get into all of that, I wanted to start by asking you, what is one of the most important things that you've learned from one or both of your parents that have influenced and shaped who you've become and what you ended up doing with your life? Well, there's a lot of things I learned from my parents. It's hard to narrow narrow it down to one, but something that's been on my mind a lot lately is my dad was a head football coach and growing up on the football field as a little kid. I mean, I'm talking four years old, following him around on the football field that had to change me psychologically. That made me super competitive and I'm incredibly competitive today. You know, I'm in a wheelchair, right? But I have an athlete's mindset. I mean, everybody says that around me. Coaches say that to me. Athletes say that to me. I have a lot of athlete friends as well. Um, so I would say that my dad really instilled that competitive drive in me, but I also think he instilled, you know, having character, having having honor, doing the right thing. He was really big on that. And and my mom as well pushed me to be ambitious and to to believe in myself. I mean, I know a lot of people say that, but I think in my situation, it's really unique because 
being in a wheelchair and having a disease, you know, my mom has never let me use it as an excuse. She's never let me hide behind that, but she's always said, okay, so what? You're in a wheelchair, you know? Mm. So what, what go get straight A's, go, go <laughs> do the best at this, go give a great speech, you know, push yourself. So that's how my mom raised me and, and she's a fighter and I see it in her actions and how she's taking care of, you know, my little brother, Max, who um, was completely confined to a bed uh, and then passed away. And then my brother Kai as well. And then raising my older brother, Will, who he's completely healthy. Uh, just seeing how she's raised us, you know, her actions speak for themselves. So it, it's really hard to narrow down to one, but, but that's yeah. what I would say when, when uh, trying to answer that question. For sure. How, how old were you when you uh, started having to be in a wheelchair? Were you born this way or is this something that happened as you grew up? Well, I, it's kind of an interesting question because I'm born with the disease, but as the disease progresses, then you end up in a wheelchair. So I used to walk when I was a little kid, but I walked on my tippy toes, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's common um, with people with Duchenne muscular dystrophy because your muscles are starting to deteriorate. And so you're still trying to walk. So you're still trying to have that functionality. And so your muscles are going to compensate to make that happen. So you walk on your tippy toes. And then when I was 11, though, that's when I entered the wheelchair and became completely dependent on the wheelchair full time. Mm. Well, the reason I asked that is you mentioned your dad as a football coach. And I'd imagine as a coach, like probably one of you know, your dreams as a parent is to be able to coach your son and get to see him on the field, especially if you're a football coach and it's like a big part of your life. I mean, you know, I, I always go back to something like Friday Night Lights and I can't imagine, you know, if Coach Taylor didn't have a daughter, but he had a son in a wheelchair, like what the effect that would that would have on the relationship between him and a son. So I'm curious, like knowing that you were never going to be able to play football, um, you know, outside of encouraging you to have the athlete's mindset, how did that change the relationship with your dad like what impact did that have on the relationship between the two of you yeah yeah i wrote about this a lot in my book actually i when i was a little kid you know i love football i'm a huge sports guy still to this day and i always worried about that because you know i wanted to play football i wanted to put the jersey on and go on the field and and i you know for a lot of reasons i wanted to play for my dad and i always worried about that but something my dad says to me a lot lately not, not even a lot. Actually, I, I don't want to say that because a lot kind of ruins the specialty of it. He says it during big moments. Like if I give a big speech to a huge company or do something big, he'll, he'll look at me after and he's like, you know, I'm more proud of you than if you're like a Heisman winner trophy, you know, a, a, a father of a Heisman trophy winner athlete type of thing. Um, mm. And that's really cool to hear because, yeah. But my dad says it's all about mindset. You know, we're really into that. It's not about, it's like the Navy SEALs, you know, it's not about having the biggest of muscles and being like the, the guy with a six pack abs and whatever. It's about the mindset. It's about what goes on in your mind, because that's what, that's what separates the Navy SEALs from everybody else. And I try to have the same thing where, yeah, my body might not work as it should, but my mindset is unstoppable. And that's something that my dad and I, both are real big on and and so i don't know how the how it's really impacted me i mean it's made i know how it's impacted i know how it's impacted me and how i feel about it and how i've changed over the course of the years mm-hmm. i'm not sure how it's impacted him i think that he would probably i love to see me play for him and whatever but i think at the same time he's um, very proud i mean actually i know he's proud of me for for what i'm doing today with what i'm given yeah and, and, well, and one, what, can I have one more thing? Yeah, please go ahead. He's real big on, cause this will answer the question. He's real big on, he says that 
The reason he loves to coach is one, he loves the sport, but he said mainly it's because he wants to make young men become, um, you know, developed, have high character and whatever. So he's like, I accomplished that with you, with how you're going about your disease and everything that you're doing today. And so, yeah. Well, you know, one thing you mentioned is mindset multiple times and that you're in a wheelchair and you have a physical limitation, but your mindset is rock solid. And the funny thing is there are people who don't have your physical limitations, but limit themselves mentally. Why do you think that is and how do they overcome it? Self-esteem. I think that people, I think self-esteem is one of the major, major issues and your self-image. I think people, they view themselves improperly and that there's a i mean we can get into this a lot i think this was fascinating psychologically speaking you know it could be like how they were raised and different environmental factors but i think that no matter what you could still change that you get to choose how you want to see yourself and there's things you could do to to change your self-image but that that really matters i mean when i was 11 went into the wheelchair i started playing basketball at school in a wheelchair and i didn't believe i could but my friends encouraged me so much to do so. And then I got good at it and I started to love the sport. And then I was playing competitively, you know, a year later with them. And that really helped me see myself as everybody else. And I started to view myself as everybody else. And my parents ingrained that in me that I'm just like everybody else. And and what I mean is, I mean, I, I literally believe that. And in fact, uh, sometimes I need to humble myself because sometimes I think I'm better than other people in terms of strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> um, so... You know, and, and that's how it's got to be, though, because you everybody does have their strengths. And, you know, like somebody's way better at writing poetry than I am. I suck at poetry. I don't even understand it. Right. Um, but I may be better at public speaking than they are. And and everybody's just got to recognize that. But um, wh- where I'm going with this is. I think people really view themselves in the wrong light. They they have low self-esteem and, and you can increase your self-esteem. And that's that's one of the greatest factors to everything I'm doing today, to my success is self-esteem. I, I write about the self-image in my book. There's a whole lesson, one of the 13 lessons. And, it, and it's really that important because, I mean, if you view yourself as not confident, you're going to act not confidently. But if you mm-hmm. view yourself as being confident, you're going to act confident. So, yeah, I think people just, they don't view themselves correctly. And honestly, I, I think you got to be a realist, but I also think at the same time, be delusional. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a new idea I've been kind of flirting with is what, what's the point of trying to be a, a realist or whatever? Like that's going to just be a self-actualizing uh, prophecy. Why don't you view yourself as something that you're, I guess not, but you have some truth behind it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for yeah. example, you want to be more confident, you know, saying, okay, I am very confident. And then the, what the truth is, well, I raised my hand in class before I spoke out to people before I went up to somebody before, you know, those are little bits of confidence so that you can, ground that delusion if you will in reality somewhat and then Mm -hmm. eventually as time goes on the more you do it the more you're going to believe that you actually are confident and i think that's how i think that's how you got to be well i want to come back to that um but i wanted to ask you about losing siblings because i think any parent probably doesn't imagine that they're going to pass away or their kids are going to pass away before they do uh what did you learn about resilience navigating grief and and how did Something that tragic change your family's life. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time. And now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah. So my brother Max, he passed away in 2019. And so when he was born, he had open heart surgery and it didn't work. Well, it worked, but it, it went, he had a massive stroke and it left him, you know, cognitively delayed, blind, needing a feeding tube eventually, a uh, full-time nurse, all these major problems, severely disabled. And that itself is already a lot there. You know, our family had a, 
in a lot of ways revolve around Max, take care of him and wait for the nurse to get out of our house at the right time, you know, because the nurse doesn't live here. Uh, before we can go out, you can't just, you know, it's, it's harder to take Max out with us. And, the, you know, we would go to the hospital many times a year. I mean, it was it was normal. And it would be like at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, he would start having a seizure or something. And uh, we'd rush to the hospital and whatever. But the last years, it started to really, he started just becoming worse and worse. And I mean, in the hospital, like, out one month, back in the hospital the next month. All right, it was getting really bad. And I think it's it's really hard to articulate this because to watch your mom and your dad lose one of their kids really taught me. I know my parents loved me, but it really teaches you just how much they actually love their kids and how much a parent actually loves their kids. And just hearing the the cries of my mother, I never heard her cry like that before. To see my dad that depressed and sad. To see my mom after he passed away. My brother Max, this is something that I think really explains the situation well. Is My brother Max had like this teddy bear type of thing that he would, you know, he would hug when he was in the hospital in his last days. And I remember coming in to my mom's room. She was just laying down. And I remember seeing that same teddy bear in her hand afterwards. And she was just holding on to it. Almost in the sense it felt like she was trying to hold that teddy bear to hold my brother Max again type of feeling. And it's just, well, for me, it's really motivating because I want to cure my disease. Because my disease, you know, it's fatal. So Mm. I don't want her to lose another kid. I don't want her to lose Kai as well. And it's super motivating to me to want to do that, but it definitely changes your view of life. It definitely changes your view of relationships. It definitely changes your view of love, right? My parents loved Max unconditionally. I mean, what did Max do for them? Nothing. In fact, he probably made their life harder in a lot of ways, you know, having to take care of him like they did, but they did it because they loved him so deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just told me that the disease is fatal. I didn't realize that. So you're 11 years old. You get put in a wheelchair with a disease is fatal. How old are you now? I'm 20. Okay. So you've lived nine years longer. What is the the typical, you know, sort of uh, lifespan for somebody with this disease? Yeah. 25. Okay. Wow. So did you understand the gravity of that when you were 11 years old? And how has your understanding of what that means changed with age? Yeah, no, so I didn't know that when I was 11. I learned that when I was 15, and I'll tell you the story. I was at a fun, well, I'll tell you the whole story. So, during ninth grade, I was in the IB program. I was doing, you know, IB programs very advanced. Mm-hmm. It's like the most advanced program you've been. So, and that, I was getting straight A's, I was working really hard. And I wanted to do something great for the world. I started reading a lot of business books. Uh, shout out Seth Godin. I was reading Seth Godin um, in ninth grade. And I wanted to do something great then. I thought, you know, why do I have to be 25 or 30 to do something great? Why can't I be great at age 15? Why can't I change the world now? Why can't I do something that will leave a legacy now? I just didn't know what I wanted to do yet. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But anyways, I went to this fundraiser. For Deshin. And I, I was the type of guy that didn't want to be involved in the community, didn't want to talk about Deshin and 
be the poster boy and any of that. I, I, I didn't want to do that because I didn't view myself as a disabled person. I didn't view myself and I, I still don't, but you know, I wasn't that type of guy. So anyways, I go to this fundraiser and I'm, and we're waiting for it to start. It's a dance uh, team of high school dancers. They're putting on a, a performance and I'm looking at the booklet they have, you know, waiting for the event to start. And so I'm looking through it and I get to the last page and the last page starts talking about the shin. It says that the shin is a muscle-wasting disease that eats away a person's muscles as time goes on. I thought, okay, yeah. And it says that uh, the disease leaves uh, patients, you know, in a wheelchair. They become fully dependent on a wheelchair. I thought, okay, that's not news to me. I'm sitting here in my wheelchair reading that. But then, but then the booklet, it mentioned that patients will lose mobility in their arms. And I just remember having a, a really weird feeling because at the time I had more arm function than I do today. And, and I'm looking at that and, I, you know... I love throwing the football around with my dad. I love shooting baskets, playing basketball. I mean, I dribbled in my wheelchair. I passed. I shot threes, all kinds of stuff. I, I loved basketball. And I'm thinking I may not be able to do that one day. That that like that really hit me hard. But but then it got worse. Then the booklet mentioned that most patients pass away when they're 25. And I remember temporarily like not breathing for a second, just blood rushing all over me because I never thought about dying let alone 10 years later from, you know, when I was reading that booklet. And I thought, oh, this is a mistake. They don't know what they're talking about. This is wrong. And then the booklet made me accept reality because it used logic. It said the reason this is is because um, the heart and the diaphragm, those are muscles, and those are going to be attacked as well. And I thought, yeah, no, that makes sense. If, it, if all the muscles are attacked and those are muscles, then those would have to be attacked as well. And so I read that, and I was like, wow. Like I, I was in a different, I wasn't even present anymore. I wasn't even looking at the performance. I was in a different world. And I remember the last thing it said was the disease is incurable. And I thought, oh, well, let's see about that. Because I'm the type of guy where somebody tells me you can't do this or you can't do that. My whole, my whole life, by the way, my whole life, it's always been like this. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I go do exactly that. And I thought, oh, okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's see what I can do. Let Elijah Stacy answer now. Let me enter the ring. Let's see if it's incurable now. And so I remember going home that night, wanted to distract myself. I put on my favorite superhero, Iron Man. And I'm watching, and Tony Stark, you know, he uses his knowledge to solve problems. And I'm thinking, why can't I do the same thing? I love business. I have a passion for it. Why don't I do something to cure my disease? And so then I started debating, should I start a for-profit company or should I start a non-profit? And I thought, well, for-profit, I don't really have a product or service right now. You know, I'm only 15. I don't got a lot of contacts. A nonprofit's probably what I could do best, considering where I'm at. So I started a nonprofit, filed with the, the state of California, start recruiting board members, um, following all the legal paperwork and everything, and created the social media, created the website, created the logo. I did all this myself, and we started a nonprofit. And the whole goal of the nonprofit is to advance gene editing and gene therapy into human practice to complete the cure for Duchenne. And we're going to, we, we are going to pull that off. And I just, so that's, that's how I, that's how I learned that the disease is fatal. But honestly, the moment I heard it was fatal, I, let's go do something about it. That's how I am. When I have a problem, let's go solve it. I don't really believe in, compl- I mean, I, I complain, I'm, I'm a human, but I don't, I don't <laughs> like to sit and com- complain for more than five minutes or whatever, because Complaining does nothing. Complaining is not a strategy. You know, it doesn't help you get better. Like if I sit here to you and complain about my life is so hard, I'm in a wheelchair, my arms don't work. 
oh, I have a fatal disease. The life's so unfair. I might die, and I didn't, I'm just starting my life. You know, what? what is that going to do? It's not going to change anything. But if I sit here and I tell you, hey, I have a plan to cure my disease. Can you help me? And you might say, oh, yeah, I would love to help you, Ledger, and, and I like your plan because your plan is actually going to fix the problem. So so that's how I think about it. And, and th- yeah, that's a, that's a long answer to your question. No, no, that's a great answer. I'm so glad you told it that way. Um, what, thing, what progress has been made to curing it, like medical yes. research-wise, et cetera? Yes, yes. I'm so glad you asked that question. So this stuff is fascinating to me. So gene editing. So have you heard of CRISPR? Yeah, of course. Yes. So CRISPR, that's my one of my main focuses is using CRISPR. And we've actually already tested it on mice, dogs, and it's worked. We have cured it in mice and dogs. It's worked. We've done it on human heart cells of patients with Duchenne, and it's worked. The problem right now is having a vector, the delivery vehicle, if you will, to deliver the um, genetic payload into patients safely and effectively. And that's what that's what gene editing. That's also true with gene therapy. So with gene therapy, that's when you insert the gene into a, per, a patient's cells, and it gives the instructions to uh, the patient. So like the way I like to think about this is take a take a page. Okay, I have a book. Okay, you got this page. Let's say the page says, I went to red. I went to red. Well, with gene editing, what we can do is we can change the R in red to a B. And now it says, I went to bed. Now, as the reader, I understand what it says. It makes sense. It has functionality. Now that sentence makes sense. So that's editing the page. And that's what gene editing allows us to do. We can edit human DNA or any DNA um, like it's a piece of text on a Word document. Great. With gene therapy, the way I like to think about this is, say that you have that page. I went to red. Well, instead of editing that page, what we can do is we can um, take a page with the right instructions and just insert it into the book on the next page. So you read, I went to red, it makes no sense. You flip the page, and then you read that same sentence again. It says, I went to bed. Now you still have the proper function. It still gets the job done. You still The message was still communicated properly. That's the two options that we have. Now, the problem with gene therapy right now is the strophin is so large. I believe it's the largest uh, gene uh, it, that we know of, actually. And that's uh, that's what it encodes for dystrophin. And that's um, that's the protein that's missing. Um, with patients with Duchenne. Mm-hmm. And it's so large that we we don't have the the vehicle, the vector to deliver it. And, and so what we need to do, right, what's going to cure all these genetic diseases, not just Duchenne, is developing better vectors. And we're doing that right now. And, and we will we will cure this disease and other diseases, I think, within the next, uh, probably under the next 10 years. I truly believe that. I think that we're entering the golden age of medicine. And mm-hmm. I'm so, so fascinated by by gene editing and, and what it can do because I mean the, the possibilities are, are nearly endless. Yeah. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. It, it, your knowledge of the subject is just mind boggling to me because I'm listening to you. I was a Berkeley undergrad and I'm pretty sure I had friends who are pre-med who don't know detail uh, in the level that you do in terms of science. I mean, my sister's a doctor. I'm curious, was med school ever on your radar? <laughs> No, med school is never on my radar. I mean, well, okay, I will say this. I I was thinking about going to college with, well, I, yeah, so I was thinking about going to college and I was going to major in, um, like, biology and everything, but I just decided to take a different route in life and do this because I think I could be more effective and I know what I want to do. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I was kind of curious in that. I was actually, fun fact, I was actually really interested in doing law. And so I was in mock trial and everything, and that's how I had that legal help right with the to start the nonprofit that's how i had the confidence to do it because i understood law a little bit more than the average average person 
Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> one other thing I wonder about, you know, the average 15 year old doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to change the world before I'm 25. Why do I have to wait? <laughs> I mean, there are people who go to elite colleges who don't think like that. Where does that come from? Yeah, who knows? Uh, <laughs> um, I, maybe my father and my mother. And honestly, I don't know. It's it's weird because I've been realizing that lately that I have goals that are not normal. Uh, but it's okay. I don't want to be normal. And, and I'm not normal. And it's not because I'm in a wheelchair. It's because of how I think. It's because of what I do. I think that makes me not normal. And, and, and yeah, you know, I just don't see the point in life of just trying to be average. Like I know, and I'm not saying this is wrong necessarily. I just, I don't see it for me. You know, some people they're okay with just working a job and then coming home and that's their whole life, you know, that rat race. And for me, it's, it's not even about money or anything like that. It's about, I want to really make an impact that, that makes people's lives better. My whole life's mission, right? Um, Simon Sinek, start with why, right? Mm -hmm. My why is to minimize human suffering and propel human prosperity so that humanity can have a better quality of life. And if you look at everything I do, it fits under that umbrella. Trying to raise money to advance science to cure this disease, that minimizes human suffering. Uh, Writing my book that has a lot of motivating and inspirational lessons in it that can help people uh, live a more prosperous life, you know, that that helps advance human prosperity. And together... All the work that I'm doing, it makes humanity have a better quality of life. So I don't know. I don't know where the the desire to want to change the world and do crazy, you know, accomplish crazy goals. But but yeah, I, I just that's how I think about it. It's just to me, it just if you have one life. Why yeah. why just settle for average? Hmm. Well, speaking of not being normal. Uh, what I'm really curious about is how your entire social life starts to change when you find yourself in a wheelchair at a left. Like, how does it change your dating life? How does it change your day to day? But let's start with your social life. Like, what is, how does it change things? Yeah. So, well, we, so day to day life or your social life? Let's start with the social life. Okay. Social life, honestly, it's an advantage. It's an advantage for sure. The reason I say that is because you have a choice, but the, the will, like you have a choice on, on what you're going to do with it. For me, the wheelchair is super memorable. People are not, you know, when you see somebody in a wheelchair, it's different. Like it's not normal to see somebody in a wheelchair, right? So you stick out. That's an advantage because you're able to become known around your school more easily or whatever. And now all you got to do is just have a good personality and, be likable and go out of your way to meet people and do whatever. And you're going to make a lot of friends quick. And, and that's what I did. I was like a popular kid at my school uh, later on in my school life. And yeah, to me, it hasn't hurt me or anything like that. And I think it's all a choice. You know, if you, if, like I said, it goes back to that self-image. If you hear some of us, Oh, people are going to like me now because I'm in a wheelchair or whatever. Well, no, people are not going to like you now because you're negative And that's how you think about things, you know? <laughs> um, if you're a real positive and whatever, people might be inspired. They might go to you with their, with their problems and you can help them, you know, and, and find common interest. Don't make it about the wheelchair. You know, it, to me, my friends and I, oh, we love sports. Oh, we love basketball. You know, we trash talk each other. You know, I'm a Clippers fan. They're Laker fans or, you know, Warriors fans. You know, we'd all trash talk each other or football or, you know, talk about this or that. 
just be like every everybody else. You know, I was like everybody else. And and I was somebody that went out of my way to meet new people. And and like if they were lonely, I'd go and sit by them. Like I didn't want people to be lonely. Like if I saw them sitting alone, I would go sit by them and keep them company and bring my friends with me. Like I don't. Yeah, it's just it's honestly just be a person. It to me it makes no difference. Now you might say, well, what if they go do physical activities? Okay, they do physical activities. Okay, you know maybe may, even if I could walk, maybe I wouldn't want to go do those physical activities anyways. <laughs> and so it doesn't it doesn't really change anything. It's like I want to do this. You know, I love books. I love having intellectual philosophical discussions. I love talking sports. I love eating good food. Let's go do those things because that's what I can do. And that's what I want to do. Right when you want to go do something else like go on a hike or something you know go do that like whatever you know so that's that's the social part yeah what about dating i mean i know you're 19 i'm just curious like what this is like when it comes to dealing with dating and relationships yeah so i mean with dating so i mean i had uh, a girlfriend last year uh we dated for nearly a year um so i mean there's that and you know for me (laughs) You want to talk about me in particular, dating, it's, you got to really impress me, to be honest, because I need somebody that can hold a conversation with me. And I don't mean that in a cocky way. It's just a lot of people aren't interested in talking about the soup. Like, I I expect somebody that is is willing to come help me change the world with me, right? A lot of people, like I said, they're not interested. They just want to own normal job and go eat a piece of pizza and whatever. And to me, you know, I'm, I'm not about that. I, it's like, I want to talk about deep things, intellectual things. You know, I need you to be ambitious yourself. And so for me, my problem with dating is, you know, I just got to wait until somebody comes along to, to, to impress me because, you know, I'm on my mission right now to, to, to literally change the world, to save lives, to cure this disease, to, to do the things I'm trying to do. And so that's, that's what I'm waiting on is just, you know, waiting until somebody, you know, if they come along, they're like super smart, they're super ambitious, you know, they, they take care of themselves, everything like that, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll pursue it. Well, let's talk about your average day. I mean, what are the things that like, most of us take for granted, like just being able to get out of bed and, you know, do things like brush our teeth? What are those things like for you on an average day? Sure. Yeah. I mean, getting out of bed, like you said, you know, for me, I figured a way out to get on my bed independently, but it's still a mini challenge every morning. So I wake up, already a challenge. The way I get out of bed is, so I have a hospital bed. What that means is like, it has, you know, it ha- it's kind of like those, uh, what is it, Tempur-Pedic or whatever. You can uh, raise the front up, you can raise the feet part up, whatever. What I do is I drive my wheelchair close to the bed. So the wheelchair is a tiny bit higher than the bed. But then what I do is I sit on the feet part of the bed. I take the remote, I raise it up a little bit. So now I'm higher than my wheelchair. And then I slide over, climb into my wheelchair. No problem. Let gravity work for me. Um, so that's getting out of bed. You know, brushing my teeth, no problem, really. You know, you know, it's, it's a little bit more challenging, you know, when you have weaker arm muscles. But, hey, we still get the job done. Same thing with, you know, combing your hair, all that. Same thing. Um, going to the bathroom. Like I said, I, I once again, I've engineered this because I want to be as independent as possible. It's the adapters mindset that I talk about. I figured out creatively how to, to fix that. What I've done is we built a, a raised toilet seat. You know, this is, they have these, right? It's not typical. It's not common, but you have them. And so the toilet seat is just a little bit higher. Uh, so it's, it's about the same height as my wheelchair. So now I can just slide over 
Same thing. Same thing with taking a shower. I built a bench, right? We built it inside my bathroom. It's higher than my wheelchair. So I go into, I go in the bathroom. My wheelchair has a function on it where the, the chair can raise up. Like I could be like sitting down, but be taller. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like an elevator, like an elevator. And so to get on the bench, I raise my chair up. Then I'm the same height as the bench slide over. And then to get out of the shower, I raise my chair back down. So now the bench is higher than my wheelchair. Then I slide back into my wheelchair. So I figured out how to do all that, remain independent. And uh, so that's how I do all those basic, you know, functions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, those are like the day-to-day things. But in terms of like work and stuff like that, you know, it just really depends. I do a lot of media stuff right now, uh, writing speeches, uh, about to take a job soon with a, a biotech company. Uh, there's just a lot of things I do and I like to remain busy. I like to remain ambitious as I always say. And yeah, that's, that's that. Can you drive just out of curiosity? I can't. Well, so, I mean, I can't right now, but I can drive. It's just really, really expensive to have a car converted. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe in the future I'll do that, but honestly, I, at this point, I'm not super interested in driving. Uh, you know, I'll take a, a Tesla, Self-driving car, right? But <laughs> um, what I, I'm kind of interested in is, you know, I just want to get to A to B. So I'm going to get a car real soon, my own car. And I'll have to be a passenger for now because I'm not going to get it converted to where I could drive it. And I'll just let my friends drive me. You know, I'll just let somebody else drive me and um, and get to A to B because what's the, you know, what's the point? You know, what's the, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the reason I'm asking is you mentioned sort of adapters mindset. Yeah. How much of your day-to-day do you have to depend on other people uh there's a i mean there's a good uh amount of things that i'm gonna need help with for sure but most of the things like so i'd say majority of things i do myself um Um, let's go go back to the whole idea of you know thinking that you know you've got you know until you're 25 here we are almost what five years after you read that and you're 19 now does the possibility that you might not be alive to see this thing get cured ever cross your mind still no i uh <laughs> I, I i seriously think that we're gonna cure it really soon and i've already i've already told scientists that i will go into a truck right now even if i'm the first person or whatever I'm willing to lay down my life for this cause. Um, I give this cause my energy, my knowledge, my time, everything I have, and I'm willing to give it my body as well. You know, if it takes that to hear this and save hundreds of thousands of people across the world, I'm willing to do that. And and I really do believe, you know, I, I follow the science closely. I talk to scientists pretty regularly. I believe that we're going to cure this disease soon. So I, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. And fortunately for me, I'm in good health concerning my condition. Like my heart and lungs are great right now. And mm-hmm. so that's the, that's what you got to worry about. And so yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty good there. You seem to be, you know, like I said, in really good spirits, you know, doing well. 
what does this look like when it gets really bad for people? Because I'm sitting here getting to have a conversation with you and you sound wildly optimistic. Like if I didn't know your story, I would have never guessed I'm talking to somebody in a wheelchair with some sort of uh, <laughs> see, disability. See, that, hey, but that's the self-image right there. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's the self-image. When, when, you, when you see yourself not as disabled or you see yourself as like everybody else, then your actions will be that. And then people will see you that way. But I just wanted to point that out. But okay. So to answer your to answer your question, um, it gets really bad. It gets really bad. I mean, people need breathing machines. They are, they, you know, they get very, the, the biggest, well, it's hard to say which one is more important, but mentally, I mean, it's, it's people get really hopeless, really depressed, and that's a dark place. And I do believe that your mental health is going to impact your physical health. I do believe that very strongly. And so you have to remain optimistic to keep your physical health good and, you know, go outside and be social and do normal things like that. But I think, yeah, it could get really bad with breathing machines and going to the hospital a lot and people get so weak that, you know, getting sick is what can put you over the edge. Right. And so um, it gets a lot more difficult later in life, but everybody's different with this disease. I mean, there's some people that are 40 years old, right. With the disease, but the average lifespan is 25. Um, but, but yeah, some people are strong at 30. Some people are very weak. It just depends. But we need to cure it ultimately for no matter what. Yeah. And typically, is it start getting bad right around the same age as it did for you? Or does it start earlier or later for people? Uh, you're, I mean, yeah. So it's about the same. Those first 20 years are really going to be the same. Probably the most. So, but I mean, it might vary a little bit. Like somebody may walk till they're 14. You know, I stopped walking at 11. You know, it's not that big of a difference, but a tiny bit of a difference. Yeah. Well, tell me a bit more about the nonprofit. I mean, you, like I said, have this sort of level of ambition. And part of me wonders, you know, what lessons from being a football coach uh, your dad instilled in you outside of mindset? Because what I've understood from every athlete that I've ever spoken to, there's a lot that comes into discipline. Like uh, James Clear, mm -hmm. who's been a guest here, said that playing baseball in college and playing baseball in high school actually was a foundational aspect of what's enabled him to think the way that he does. Yes, yes. So I would say that discipline for sure and that, that drive to get better. I mean, my dad... After football games, I'd watch this. We would go in, and we'd already start to watch film. That night, I mean, it'd be 1 o'clock in the morning. We'd be watching film of the game that we just played, fixing all the mistakes, ready to go. And if we're really ambitious that night, we'd already be watching film of the next week's opponent, trying to strategize and everything. Watching my dad, yeah, it's not just mindsets. That's a huge one, but it's also just seeing the athletes, the way they train, the way they think about things, the way they are trying to get better every week that, you know, taught me the basic idea of like when you work hard with enough time, you will get results. It does make a difference. Like, so, so I, I learned that a lot, but in terms of the nonprofit, yeah, it's destroyed to shin. That's what it's called. And like I said, the whole goal of it is to, to advance gene editing and gene therapy. And so, you know, a lot of the things I'm working on right now is, Making this disease known, something that I think needs to happen to raise tons of money is make it known. It needs a face. It doesn't have a face. Why? It doesn't have a face because nobody has that. Like, if you look at, uh, and it's not because it's rare. It's not because it's rare. If you look at like ALS or you look at 
um, you know, these other diseases, but ALS in particular, because it's similar in rarity compared to Duchenne. When you look at ALS, it's pretty well known by the general public. Why is that? I believe, yes, you had the ALS ice bucket challenge. Yes, that was huge. That brought tons of awareness. Yes. But I think a lot of it, too, is you had people with the disease that already had a huge platform. And they're able to use their contacts and use their celebrity to make the disease uh, known. If you look at, and, and that's because the disease, the onset of it happens when you're already more established, right? When you're more of an adult. When you look at the shin, well, you ha- you basically get diagnosed when you're like six, and your life's already a struggle. You're going to doctors a lot, and it's getting harder. Your life's getting harder. And if you pass away by the time you're 25, well, you have no time to develop these contacts or become a big celebrity or anything like that. So there's no platform. There's no attention there. I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to be the face of addition. I'm trying to make this disease known. I'm trying to connect with people with big platforms. I'm trying to tell my story. I'm trying to be vulnerable with how hard it actually is. And in the process of doing that, I'm trying to inspire people to become the best versions of themselves. And I think that that's going to lead to the disease being massively known. And when it's massively known, I think massive amount of money will come in and more money is going to lead to faster results in terms of the cure. Well, speaking of the cure and, you know, advancements, have there been times when you've regressed with your condition? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, have there been times when things have gotten, or does it just generally get worse? Like it doesn't mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never gets better. Uh, Never gets better. Yeah. There's no like remission or anything like that. Wow. Wow. Um, This has been really, really thought provoking and insightful and mind blowing. So I have uh, two final questions for you. First, uh, what can our listeners do for you? Yeah, I mean, I would really love it if they would check out my book, um, A Small If. It's available on Amazon, you know, Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever, right? Um, and there's an audio audiobook version of it now, too, which I'm really excited about. We just got that done. I would really love it if they check out my book because it would really help them. Well, I think it would really help them, for starters. That's really why I wrote it. But I also think it would help people understand the disease more. And just help me build a platform. You know, I'm really trying to build a platform, really trying to build a following uh, because I think that it would be mutually beneficial for my cause, but also for the individual to get inspired, to, to be more ambitious, to, to have these mindsets that I can share with the world that they can use for themselves. So if they would check out my book, A Small Lift, that would be uh, wonderful. I would really appreciate that. Amazing. Well, I have one final question for you, which is how we, finish all of our interviews with the unmistakable creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Wow. That's a good question. I mean, I think it's somebody that's different. Um, and I know that it's like, obviously, right. But, but what makes somebody different? And I think it's the way they think because not a lot of people think different. And uh, yeah, kind of pulling some Steve jobs here, but yeah, think different. I think that's what makes people different. Amazing. Well, you told us about the book. Where else can people find out more about you, your work, and everything you're up to? Yeah, so you can go on uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, wherever, at Elijah J, just a letter, Stacy. So Elijah J, Stacy, you can find me on social media. Or you could just uh, find me on my website and all my social media is there. It's ElijahJStacy.com. Uh, you can go there. And then if you want to check out the nonprofit, 
you can go to destroydeshin.org. And Deshin is spelled D-U-C-H-E-N-N-E. That's D-U-C-H-E-N-N-E. Uh, that's destroydeshin.org. And we also have social media for the nonprofit as well. Amazing. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.